abandoned corporate America to embark on a whole new venture in horror podcasting. Please join your host and his sister for today's episode of Not Your Average Horror Show. Welcome back, everyone, to another exciting edition of Not Your Average Horror Show. If our voices sound slightly different this time, it's because we're using less equipment. We've lost the interface. Yeah, it, we are only using a laptop. <laughs> it's just a laptop with no mics, with no headset. You should see the elaborate production we usually have. It's very impressive. This is just two people sitting in front of a laptop. Yeah, it feels weird. It feels awkward. Yes, like we shouldn't <laughs> be doing it. But unfortunately, last week's laptop, I don't know, it crapped the bed, so to speak. We were right in the middle of doing Nightmare 4, so hopefully what you heard all came together okay at the end. I hope it sounds as seamless as it could possibly have under the circumstances. We don't even know yet at this point how it's gonna sound. <laughs> yeah, we hope to pull it off somehow. But I guess I didn't like the movie we're talking about. Or Freddy was summoned into the computer somehow. So this week, at least the one thing we can say is that we maintained two weeks in a row. We made up for the two weeks that we just the disappeared. Deficit. Yes, the dead of summer. We just kind of <laughs> like laughed with no explanation. Very rude on our part. There should have been some explanation that went out. At least the least I could have done was updated the website, I think. Mm. Well, eh. <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand. So uh, this week... Unfortunately, we don't even have that great of a movie to reward the listeners with. This is A Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm still thinking of last week. Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, um, which was not part of the original series or the original two done by Mr. Tobey Hooper. Um, this was a different director. This was the beginning. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning. So it's like a prequel to what they did in 2003. This came out in 2006, after the 2003 one, but it was set before the 2003 one. It definitely did not feel like a necessary movie in the series. Um, you know, it just all felt very familiar. You know, like if this had been the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre ever, then yeah, it would have had a pretty big impact on people. The problem is, it's just like by 2006, you've got so many movies that look like this. It's not only competing with its previous sequels and the original that's also competing with like a hundred other copycat movies that have been out there um all with a similar theme you know maybe the killer doesn't have a chainsaw but he's got something else he's got an axe he's got a knife and it's like just looking very familiar by now um the character is not the most memorable i was talking about this before arlie ermy who was a real life drill sergeant he was in Full Metal Jacket, which you saw or you just heard about that? Um, I just know it was directed by Stanley Kubrick. Yes. <laughs> A fine movie. Ironically, the only reason most people even talk about that movie anymore, though, is because of this guy, Arlie Ermey. Oh, really? He's so effective in that movie. Yeah, that's the first thing people mention. It's almost like people will watch the first half hour of it. And then shut it off. Really? Because, like, his part's so good. I mean, you have to see it. Wait, shut it off? The movie. Because it's so good? Because his part's so good. Yeah. So, you know, if you go back to 87 or the late 80s, like, 
yeah, it was a good movie. Like, you'd watch the whole thing. But now, because it's been out so long, mm -hmm. the one thing people... It's kind of got this... Okay, this is like a real stretch here. It's a real tangent, but Glengarry Glenn Ross is a movie about like a bunch of struggling salesmen and Alex, Alex, no, Alec Baldwin. He's this master salesman that comes in to try and straighten these guys out. Oh, All wait, he does you is be great. This to Did me. I show that to you? Yeah. Yes. So you know <laughs> what I'm talking about there. Hopefully, other people do too. So all he does is like berate them the whole time. You mm -hmm. know, he's supposed to help them, but it's like no help whatsoever. So this, like, people will talk about that movie, but all they talk about is Alec Baldwin Park. This is kind of similar. They they talk about Full Metal Jacket, but it mostly just goes back to Harley Ermey and his, you know, berating of all the um, privates that are there. Oh. I thought it was actually a movie that people liked. Well, they, yeah, they do. I mean, it got, like, a lot of acclaim when it came out. Right. But if you try to name another actor in that movie, I mean, who was it? Matthew Modine, I think. Oh, okay. um, the one guy... So the one guy that got most of this shit from Arlie Ermey, um, Vincent D'Onofrio, you might recognize that name. I think he's been in a Law and Order, one of those spinoffs of the Million Law and Order spinoffs. Mm. You know, talk about something that sounds the same. Those <laughs> definitely do. But I think he, that was his biggest claim to fame. But yeah, so this drill sergeant in the movie berated him so badly that he actually committed suicide in the movie and mm -hmm. um it's just like listening but going back and just like listening to the guy's dialogue it's just so hilarious like <laughs> some of the things he uses to like insult people with it's just like you never would have thought of that <laughs> a so, real talent yeah yeah i mean it is to an extent um i wish i had it <laughs> imagine where you'd be today i know probably <laughs> maybe i wouldn't be unemployed <laughs> you'd be running a show somewhere <laughs> insulting people all the way to the top right more insulting. We should all be so lucky to have that person. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So where was I? Uh, talking about the drill sergeant. <laughs> yes, Arlie Ermey. Yes. Okay. So there's that. Now, on top of that, what I noticed about this movie is that there's a lot of references to Vietnam. I mean, the movie starts out with these two guys, their brothers, and it's them and their girlfriends, and they're driving through Texas, and they're talking about how they're going to be going to Vietnam in just a couple of days maybe the next day they were setting out to do that and this seems to be how a lot of movies start out dare i say the deer hunter bring that one up once again i brought that up too many times already but yeah it was a lot like how that was about the whole third of the beginning of the deer hunter movie was just like about them talking about how they're going to be going to vietnam like in two days and meanwhile you, the guy's getting married <laughs> the, guy, the guy's getting married and then like two days from then he's going to Vietnam and yeah. they go on a deer hunting trip and then suddenly they're in Vietnam they're shooting flamethrowers around and they're caught what a whirlwind <laughs> it really was <laughs> I'm always surprised that movie won an Academy Award but what do I know <laughs> um, so there's more references besides just that to the deer hunter but for now there was another scene actually so this Texas Chance, the movie, the way it starts out, it shows like one of the brothers, he's in a swimming pool and he's underwater. He comes out with a knife in his mouth, which is exactly the same as, what's his name? Martin Machine in Apocalypse Now. Oh, I was thinking of like Crocodile Dundee or something. It wouldn't surprise me if they ripped off that movie too. <laughs> so yeah, that's just a very, it's a very iconic scene at towards the end of Apocalypse Now where Martin Machine's coming out of the water and he's just like ready to take on 
that Marlon Brando character, Colonel Kurtz. Um, there's that, and there's one other thing. Oh yeah, the other brother's laying in the bed. His girlfriend's got him tied up, and he's looking at the ceiling fan. It shows the view through the ceiling fan in Apocalypse Now. Also, they superimposed a ceiling fan over a helicopter flying over Saigon or whatever. So I don't know what the point of all that was. Apparently, this guy had some kind of real. I don't know. He had a vision. Um, I don't know about a vision, but he had some kind of definite interest in Vietnam. Um, yeah, and that, that what we were just talking about too, is just like, I, I only just thought of this, but if you decided to go to Vietnam, just like, you know, a lot of people did, sometimes it was just like neighbors talking and deciding to do it or friends deciding to do it for whatever reason. And a lot of people that didn't decide to do it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, a lot of people like did the opposite. They dodged the draft. So it's... Um, also didn't decide to do it and that they were forced to go. But anyway. Yeah. So it's just surprising to think that there was some people out there that were just like all for it. Not only were they in favor of the war, they're like, shit, I'll just go. <laughs> like, yeah. what the hell? Let's just go Sign do it. Sign me up. <laughs> Can you imagine? So if you and a couple of your friends decide to do that, and you go and tell your local recruiters, it's like, hey, we're in, send us. Do you get to all be together? Do you get to just like wait to the rice patties and then just shoot every anything that moves, like all as like a team, like whoever you pick? Is it like like high school where you're picking your teams? Like you can do it? <laughs> the college or, dorms. Yeah. Or do you have to go? I guess I would assume there was more of a structure to this. I mean, there probably is, but yeah. But I, I guess know. like they were so desperate at some point to get guys out there they probably right. would do anything you wanted to if you said yeah i'll go <laughs> i mean probably logistically people just ended up fighting together because if they lived prox proximity wise near each other then it would be similar recruiter and then getting them out and then stationed and it would be yeah i yeah, just didn't know if there was like more of a process where maybe you're from a local but you know Logistically, there's flights going all over the place. I don't we know, need to be some... more educated to speak on this. Yeah, <laughs> I always, I always thought it was just like you'd be, you just had no clue the guys you were fighting with, and on the field, just by virtue of being there, like you against them, you become friends. Obviously, that way trauma bonded. Yeah. I mean, you'd be next to a guy from Texas or Arkansas or California, whatever. I just thought it was always very random. And I'm sure it was, but I guess, I guess though, from what it seems, like if you wanted to go and just be with somebody, it's like they'd let you do it. I yeah. Guess. I don't know. We'll have to check out Ken Burns' documentary again. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that was, yeah, okay. So this director, I don't know, he had a thing about Vietnam. Um, it was set in 1969. And so, there's two couples that are driving across the desert and then they run afoul of this biker gang a and foul. yeah <laughs> they ran into some trouble breaking out the sat words is it <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i've ever heard that used out loud what a foul i'm gonna start using it then. you should it's a good it's one it's a good one yeah yeah so um they run into trouble and um, it's just a biker gang. It's only for two seconds. They're stopped at a convenience store and like, I don't know, there's some guys, a biker gang harassing them and they drive off. But then for whatever reason, like there's one biker coming up behind them, a female biker. She has like a sawed off shotgun and she's like waving it around like she's going to shoot it unless they pull over. <laughs> so they 
the guy speeds up though instead and by doing that he loses control of his Ford Bronco and then smashes it everybody survives but the lady pull like she pulls up beside them she's like you know nice job you guys just flip now let's just get this robbery over with but then right as she does that a police officer comes over and it's Arlie Ermey who's Mm. the sheriff or so you think he is he immediately shoots the female biker and she's dead and then he takes the other four captive actually no it was three of the one girl got ejected somewhere and she didn't get found and then she ends up finding them in this creepy house where they all live but Arlie Ermey yeah he's posing as a sheriff what happened was he killed the sheriff earlier in the movie and just took the badge and put it on his shirt so apparently in a small Texas town yeah that's all you have to do to become a sheriff by the way in these small towns it's just like kill the sheriff put the badge or whatever it is on your shirt and then you're the sheriff that's it well there you go you can finally (laughs) live out your uh, dream job there's no other (laughs) yeah I used to want to be a cop myself but that's all you have to do there's like some other show like that too that show Banshee I'm sure I've talked about that before Mm -hmm. it takes place in a small Pennsylvania town Yes. Where the first episode, the premise is the same thing. Like the guy is a criminal. He shoots. He doesn't shoot the cop. He's just there randomly in a bar and the cop is too. And these criminals come in and blast everything up. The cop gets shot in the crossfire and the criminal just picks up his badge and pretends he's the cop from that point for the whole rest of the show. It's like he's the cop. There's no tracking system. And nobody notices. Well, you know what it was? It was like there was a new sheriff coming into town. Oh, there was a new sheriff in town. So before before the police station knew who he was, he got killed. Mm-hmm. So that's how he was able to pull it off. I see. Okay. So yeah, he had a little, he had one thing in his favor, <laughs> but still very implausible that you could do that. Knowing nothing about how criminal justice works. Right. Well, <laughs> apparently you don't need to. It's that easy, <laughs> I guess. The rest of the movie is just pretty much like any other horror movie where you have captives inside of a house and you've got the Leatherface guy who earlier in the movie was working at a slaughterhouse. All they show him doing is just like cutting up meat <laughs> furiously. And it's like the people he's working with. I don't know why they even hired him, but I guess <laughs> he he's good. At, yeah, but scary as hell to be around. And you could tell like his supervisor and the guy that owned the place were scared as hell of him. <laughs> and then... There comes the day where they have to close it. I guess it wasn't making money or something. Yeah. So his his boss is like, "Um, we're closing up shop now, meaning that it's no longer going to be open for business. So unfortunately, we're going to have to ask you to leave. (laughs) (laughs) So you can tell like he didn't want to have that conversation with him. Yeah. Because you're taking away his livelihood. So... What does Leatherface do? Of course, he beats him to death with, uh, I don't know, a baseball bat or something. Maybe a sledgehammer. Mm, a and then, object. Yeah. And then there was like this random, I mean, there's no shortage of, you know, things to kill things with inside a slaughterhouse. And then I think the chainsaw was either back home or I forget where the hell it was. Maybe it was at the slaughterhouse too. And he just carries it out. I mean, the thing is, if you're afraid of this guy and you're closing up shop anyway, why wouldn't you just leave? <laughs> I would just leave him a note. You just leave him there and see if he notices anything. <laughs> Meanwhile, just get the hell out of there. I mean, the place why? is done. <laughs> why formalize the matter? <laughs> exactly. Why put your life in the line? You, you knew they didn't want to tell him that. 
what is there to lose? Um, so yeah, very interesting. And, um, it's just filled with the typical kind of weird characters. I mean, the Texas Chainsaw movies, they're just, um, some are very different than others. The second one is almost like a comedy. It's so ridiculous. I mean, it is definitely gory. Yeah. It's, but it's so absurd at the same time too. I want to do that one also sometime, but I feel like that has to be kind of an event. We need somebody else. Somebody, uh, Chris. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, our one-time guest host can can help us out with that one. So that one, it's just fun. I mean, it's a terribly done movie, but it's hilarious. It's just a so bad, it's good movie. Yeah. One of those. Um, now, these newer ones that came out in 03 and 06, they do try to take themselves seriously. And they did make a lot of money. I mean, the, first, the one that came out in 03, I think, made $100 million dollars. This one made like 60. So, I mean, it had a market for it, but um, very just cliched and over the top. The one girl, so remember I mentioned this one girl was ejected from that truck. She mm -hmm. finds the house eventually and she sneaks in and somehow for the rest of the movie, she's able to just to sneak around the whole entire house without getting noticed by anybody. Yeah. It's almost like like nobody else in the house can make a move without they can't make a peep without somebody finding them either like the Arlie Ermy guy or the <laughs> the Leatherface guy or one of the other weirdos in there finding them. But this girl, she's like walking across rooms, like just right in the middle of of the room, like nobody ever sees her whatsoever. And for all of that, she gets nothing accomplished pretty much. Um, her boyfriend's in the basement, like basically getting dissected by Leatherface, Ooh. while he's. Leatherface gets distracted and she's trying to like, you know, free him up of all this stuff. And then he comes back downstairs. She hides under the table. I mean, Leatherface takes the chainsaw, puts it like right through the guy, right through the table. And the blade's like right by her head. Oh, that sucks. Pretty nasty. Yes. Yeah. A bit traumatic. Yeah, I would imagine. I hope she got some therapy after that. Well, you're assuming she lived. <laughs> so she did make it. She was the last one to survive, as a matter of okay. fact. I don't know. It was unpleasant. It didn't have the charm of of some of the previous ones. Like I was saying, this was pretty unnecessary, these sequels, yeah. except for the production company that made like $100 million off of it. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. The Leatherface character never really had much personality to speak of, except maybe in the second one. But that was just like a bunch of guys just doofing around. So, yeah, most of it is just like the, the characters are just getting restrained. And mm -hmm. at one point, maybe... Restrained and dissected. Yeah, basically. At one point, somebody breaks free only just to be caught and then thrashed up and then restrained again. The girl who was sneaking around, actually, before she came back to the house, she found one of the biker guys mm -hmm. who was a friend of the girl who tried to rob them hmm. like it's kind of funny how they met up but she just by chance i guess was out on the road and the guy drove by her she's like hey did you know some girl that was that was like riding by herself and you know looking for somebody to rob <laughs> pretty much it's like that's my girl <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> she's like i know who i know where she went she's like i know who he's like take me to them so he take she shows them where the house is and so now she's like, all right, I've got an ally in this guy. Like, he's got a gun. 
Yeah. He can probably get shit done if he goes in there, at least having this weapon. Right. So they get off the bike, and she's like, okay, so what's the plan? He's like, we? What do you mean, we? He's like, I'm just going back to get my... He's like, you're on your own. <laughs> to the door. He just marches right through the door. And, you know, he's looking through the house. I mean, so what if he is just looking to get his... Like, you would... The hope, I think, would have been that, okay, well, maybe he can kill anybody else who is a threat. There would be some casualties. Yes, exactly. Even if, like, he wants, he doesn't give a shit about you, like, just by virtue of him trying to get vengeance for his girlfriend, Mm -hmm. he's gonna do some damage. I mean, he looked like a badass. He had a gun. Biker, right? But uh, all that for nothing. He goes in there. And something happens. Yeah, I think he's got one of them at gunpoint, the Arlie Ermy guy, but then mm-hmm. Leatherface just storms up and just like cuts his arm off with the chainsaw, and the guy lands on top of the chainsaw, and that's the end of him. Well, that's disappointing. <laughs> yeah. This movie was filled with a lot of disappointment, actually. <laughs> um, weird characters. I mentioned this, there was these really overweight women that were mm-hmm. in the movie. I don't know what the director's problem was, but these women, I guess, like one was a wife of Arlie Arm, the other was, I don't know who she was. She was just very large. She could have been just like a friend visiting, but yeah. she was really overweight. And all they do is just like talk about just the most frivolous nonsense. Meanwhile, there's all these like people bound and gagged, literally like right by their feet. <laughs> and it was talking about like the weather. I mean, it sounds like an unsettling kind of ambiance, which is interesting. I feel like if done right, it would be uh, kind of strike that uncanny valley kind of thing. Oh, uh, wait, what's that? Uh, where it's just like... Or maybe you mentioned that before and I didn't know I think I meant. did. It's <laughs> used mostly in the context of like appearance where everything Oh yeah. seems like it's theoretically normal, but there's something off that you can't um, put your finger on. Mm-hmm. And it's like that primal part of your brain is just like unsettled by it like it's picking up there's something wrong yeah but can't distinguish exactly what that is like a dream sequence type of thing yeah yeah sort of yeah i can see that uh that might have been what they're going for here um yeah so by the end of the movie yeah it's so the two girls made it to almost the end like they're sitting around the dinner table and this is like the dinner table scene in these movies is like weird in itself which is very disturbing like they're ready to eat but it's just like human bodies of what they're eating (laughs) well of course and usually the uh guests are restrained there too Mm -hmm. and they'll do such things as like you know bash them on the head with a hammer or slam their head off the table that kind of thing just for the hell of it (laughs) um in this case, the blonde-haired girl's throat gets slit. The dark-haired girl gets carried off, and then she manages to grab like some kind of knife or object off the shelf while Weatherface has her over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. She starts stabbing him with it. So he screams in pain, and she, she's able to get out of there, and I think grab the keys to a vehicle on her way out. And she gets inside, yeah, a vehicle and makes it. You think she's in the clear, but something, like you're saying, isn't right here. It's just like the camera's focusing too closely on her face. Mm -hmm. Anytime that ever happens in a horror movie, you know that, like, there's danger nearby. Mm -hmm. If it's too, the shot is just too tight 
on the character. Yeah. You're not getting a wide view. So if it's inside a car, you know that the killer is hiding in the backseat. Back yeah. So that's exactly what Leatherface was doing. He's in the backseat. He takes his chainsaw and then shoves it through the driver's seat. Classic so, move. Yeah. Right as he's doing that, there happens to be like a cop. She thought she's in the clear because she's a, a cop car and a cop standing outside the car. Mm-hmm. But after he does that, the car loses control and hits the cop and goes flying in the air. Mm-hmm. And the car goes into the ditch. Leatherface gets out and just like walks down the middle of the road. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. So very familiar sounding. Although in this one, like everybody does die. You have that massacre effect. Oh, right. Yeah. The desired <laughs> massacre effect. Right. It was only Nobody 30 years. Escaped. It was no 30 years. Escaped. Yeah. They all died. It was way too late at that point because, you know, it's just... Unless you could say, hey, we did it the way we're supposed to. But yeah, you're, you're not like being original despite doing that. Yeah, so that movie, eh, I had seen that in the theater, as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I saw both those remakes in the theater, the 2003 and 2000s. I don't know why. I mean, it was just something to do. But <laughs> yeah, those weren't like, definitely were not 80s movies. They were only, they were merely based off of something from the 80s. So probably not recommended. Don't put that on your list um, unless you're a real hardcore fan of the series. So what do you think? You put that on your list? Um, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Well, good choice. <laughs> the original is not on the list either. That's right. As you a think, matter of fact. Well, you have to get caught up here. Huh? You have to get caught up here on these. Uh. Yeah. So that basically wraps things up here with uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, this one. Um, as we start getting through September, the movies are going to get better as we get <laughs> up to October. So we're going to get some good stuff. We're going to give you something to actually look forward to. Yeah. Well, not that there's anything wrong with this <laughs> one either. I mean, the movie might not be good, but hey, you're getting entertainment from us reviewing it. <laughs> well, that's also fun. <laughs> Come on, have some pride in <laughs> Well, hey, thanks again, as always, for listening. Um, if you want, leave us a comment on the website or on the Facebook, on the Facebook. <laughs> wow, spoken like a true uh, old person. Boomer. Which I'm not <laughs> there, but... All right, see you next one. <laughs>